This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. With Evie, and there are uh, lots of defining programs that we grow up with that we remember when we were kids that we were growing up. Remember, Mike, how we used to run back home from the bus on the bottom of the uh, road and run back to watch, what was it? Night Rider, do you remember? We used to, as kids, we had to get back to watch Night Rider. It was good. And then, as I got a bit older, some of you will remember uh, being born in the Monty Python era and all of that kind of stuff that was happening. But one of the programs that I loved when I was growing up was Blackadder. Remember Blackadder? It was great, it was Blackadder. Brilliant. And one of the things that is a continual amount of laughter. Uh, if the young people here, if you've not heard Blackadder, go onto YouTube, type it in, and there's loads of really cool stuff there on Blackadder. But it's hilarious, isn't it? Particularly one character that I relate to called Baldrick. Remember Baldrick? Because Baldrick always had what? A cunning plan. He always had a cunning plan. And his cunning plan was always what? absolutely rubbish. Can I ask you a question before we get into God's word this morning? Have you ever had a cunning plan? You've had a great plan and you're thinking, this is going to work. I'm going to do it this way and you're going to go and have this great idea and and, and it's going to work out and it's going to be cool. How many of you had that? And then how many of you ended up with it not being so cool after all when you went and did it your way? How many of you had that? Okay, it's just me that's being open and honest here and saying that like I mess up very, very often. So I want to share with you a story before we get into God's word this morning of a great Phil Morgan Baldrick plan that happened. You see, what happened, confession, folks... Uh, and most men, if you're true men, you will confess to this, particularly if you've got oil in the house, because those of you who are on gas, it's easy, it just flows in. And those of you that are on any kind of other energy, electric, you just switch it on. But when it comes to oil, there's one thing you've got to do. You've got to make sure that the oil tank is always full, topped up, keep it going. You can't let it go empty, can you? So, guys, come on, be honest here now. How many of you have ever ran out of oil? Come on, admit it. I see my mother. Are you raising your hand, mother? Because I'm pretty sure my father ran out of oil once or twice. Anybody else here? Dan has. Anybody else? Okay, it's just Dan. A few of us. So I'd ran out of oil. In fact, I did this twice. You'd think I would learn from the lesson. I did this twice. Well, anyway, what happened the first time? Called the boiler man up. Boiler man came round the house. And he got out this kind of siphoning machine. Sucked the oil and everything through from the tank. Obviously, ordered the oil and got it topped up. Sucked it all the way through and reattached the pipe onto the boiler. Hit the fire button and off it went. He was there all of 10 minutes. Charged me £45 call out and 40 quid an hour. Ouch! That's painful. And it was fixed. So I didn't want to pay the 85 quid when it happened a second time. So guess what I did? I had a plan. I thought, I'll do it myself. So I went into the garage. I got a piece of plastic pipe that I could find off uh, some kind of uh, water piece of equipment that we'd bought for the kids. And I got my 22 mil spanner from the garage. I took the lid off the boiler, got on my knees, reached into the boiler and looked for this fitting to... Uh, you know, disconnect the oil. I disconnected the oil. It was all going really good. Tank was full. Tap was on. Stuck the plastic pipe into it and began to suck. <laughs> and suck. 
and, and there was just no oil coming through. So I'm sucking, and I'm sucking in the end. I'm going, I'm going like red with all of this stuff. Saturday morning in the utility room. There I am, sucking oil. You know, if, you'd, if paramedics had been called, can you imagine the scene? What happened? Your husband was sucking oil. Yuck. So anyway, I'm sucking at this thing. And in the end, guess what happens? Pile of oil. There's oil coming in. Quick, get the pipe back on. 22 mils. And I Ah, got it. A little bit of oil, clear it all up. Hit the boiler, on. <laughs> Saved myself 85 quid. Get in there. I fixed it. And everyone went. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I've already told you this is a Baldrick plan, haven't I? Baldrick plan. All was really good until next morning. Next morning, I get up. Do my usual routine. What do you do first thing in the morning? Okay, don't be... Uh, one of the first things I do, shower, get ready, come downstairs. First thing I've got to do is caffeine. I go to get some coffee, and I go open the utility room door in order to get to the fridge and get the milk. And as I open the utility room door to go to the fridge to get some milk, and I look down, and guess what? There is oil all over the utility room floor. Fortunately, it hadn't flooded into the kitchen, and it was a mess. I'm looking at all this oil. I'm thinking, please, nobody drop a match or anything here. I open the door. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I panic, and I do what all guys do best. What do they do? Phone Dad. So I phoned Dad, and I said, uh, Dad, got a bit of a problem. And Dad says, oh, yes. And I said, uh, went to fix the pipe da, 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 last night. He says, yes. And I said, everything okay? Yes. Went all the way through it. Yes. And the thing is, I didn't put it tight enough, I think. And there's oil all over the floor. And my father says, oh, you've got a problem then. <laughs> I said, yes. How do I fix this? And do you know what dad said? Leave it to me. No problem at all. So there's a thing in Wales that we give people these bizarre names for people, didn't we? You know, Tumti Cornell, Die Dull, all these kind of names, which stands for, you know, Stupid Die. Who would name Die Dull? Stupid Die. And then the other one, Tumti Cornell, which is a Tom who lives in the house on the corner. Bizarre names, you know, all these, Die Pick, all these kind of crazy names. Well, there was a guy that lived in Derry down the road from my dad called Brian Cap. Because <laughs> anyone know, remember Brian Cap? He's still alive now, he's retired, but Brian used to always wear this cap. And I got called Brian Cap. I'll go down to Brian Cap's, pick something up, and I'll be up with you right now. And I found it in the garage last week when I was clearing out the garage. And um, I can't bring myself to actually use this anymore. I've got to keep this as a remnant. But this product is called Perlite. And Dad came with a pile of this stuff called Perlite walked into the utility room floor. It was all underneath the kitchen units and everything. He took the lids off everything, and guess what he did? Simply opened the tin, got some perlite, and began to scatter it all over the floor. Look at this stuff. It's like really small stuff here. Look, at, look that's all it is. It's like really, really fine stuff. But what he did, it started turning into like polystyrene balls. What happens is this perlite when it attaches to oil, it sucks the oil in, and it 
grows in big blobs like this, so that then when it's all the oil has been sucked up, you've just shoved it up, put it in a bin liner, and get rid of it. How cool is this product, Perlite? If you're listening online, then this might save you out of a possible boiler problem one day. But Dad fixed it by bringing Perlite into my world, cleared up the problem, and the problem was gone. The title of my message this morning is called Suck It Up. Suck it up. Because this is what perlite does. It sucks up all the oil. It sucked up my mess, sucked up my problem, and totally got rid of it. Can you turn with me to God's Word, to Luke chapter 15? And we're going to look at some mess that has happened here in Luke chapter 15 together. This uh, set of three parables or stories that Jesus told are very, very famous, uh, but we're just going to cover one of them in particular, which is the one that's messiest, messiest of all. It's just, I think there's lots of hidden messages that are in this passage of Scripture. I think one of the messages here is, is something on intensity. You know, Jesus starts with the lost sheep, first of all. And the ratio there is leaving the 99 to go after the one that's lost. It's like one to 100, isn't it? And then he talks about the parable of the lost coin. He talks about a woman that has 10 coins and loses one. And that's a ratio of 1 to 10. And then he goes on to discuss the, in verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. And we're down to a ratio of one to two. The problem seemed to be getting worse in this passage of scripture. And I don't know what, and I don't know if you need to know this morning, but you're one of about seven billion people that are on this planet. But sometimes it feels like a lot of the stuff that happens to us, if you have a Baldrick plan and you try to work some of this stuff out and you have, as Andrea uh, talked to us last week, you've got pain and problems that come your way. It seems sometimes as if it's the end of the world and you're just like the only person that's having this problem. So you're just down to a stat of one in one. And it's this intensity that I believe God wants to talk to us into our situation this morning and have us realize not no matter where we are, God is here and waiting for you. All we need to do is to suck it up and just turn to Father, and he will dig us out of where we are. So turn to me to this parable. We're going to read from verse 13, sorry, verse 11 of Luke chapter 15 together. I hope you've got your Bibles with you. Please follow me in your Bible. If not, it's on screen so you can follow. Jesus continued the story that he's saying to the tax collectors and the Pharisees and everything. If you shoot back to the first couple of verses, it says about Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. May that be said about our church, yeah? ABC Church welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus says to these people that are a bit judgmental and are a bit, you know, my, my closing talk in, in terms of uh, this series is okay not to be okay is called I'm Alright Jack on how we should never be judgmental but we should have the attitude of Jesus Christ to other people that are in a big mess. Verse 13, sorry, verse 11, follow with me. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So what's happened here is that there are two sons. Dad's got worth like, say, 10 million if he's got all of his worldly wealth and land and everything. And the dad has said, look, I don't want to wait till you cop it. I don't want to wait till you die. I want half the worldly wealth now. I want you to give me my 5 million that's rightly mine right now. 
Verse 13, not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, because his dad said, fair enough, I'll give you half, and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You can guess what wild living is all about. After he had spent everything, there was a severe farming in that whole country, and he began to be in need. The money ran out, and situations got bad. There was a depression, or there was a recession, stuff's kicking off, and so he is finding himself in trouble. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. It's amazing, isn't it, how sometimes we can have a big plan, and then before he knows it, he ends up in the pig pan. And sometimes we think that we can sort things out for ourselves sometimes and and fix things ourselves this way. But it leads to a place sometimes that we never thought would happen to us. Doesn't it? That's a Baldrick plan. That's a mess. Verse 12. This is really important. and I'm going to focus on this sentence quite a bit this morning. Verse 17. When he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father. I will set out and go back to him and say to him, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Good time. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of the servants. Amazing, he wasn't going to go close and find out, he called somebody else. Called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. He has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so he His father went out to him and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, amazing, not his brother anymore, this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work that he's done in our lives and in our hearts. We thank you for these texts that we have of words that he spoke and stories and parables that he told to give us a reflection, to give us insights on how the heart of God really works. Lord, I pray that from this story of the lost son, 
that from this story this morning, you would help us to clear up our mess. That you would help us in the way that you helped the lost son when he came up with his own plan. He came up with his own way to fix things and it went south. That in the same way, you would help us to learn from this scripture the way that we can come back to Father again. And how you can help clean it up for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm continuing this series of it's okay not to be okay. Because I don't know what it was like for that lost son when he's ran out of cash. And when he's had to go and apply for a job and end up in the pig field. I mean, there's a realization that's come at a point before he says that he came to his senses. There's a point before that that he's ran out of money and has come with a a little mini plan himself, which is, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and get myself a job to try and dig myself out of this myself. And he tries to do that, but the farming is heavy. I don't know, he's not earning enough. And he's in a situation that the problem has happened and it's messed up. So he continues to try and fix it himself. Can I ask you this morning, and be honest with yourself as I ask you this rhetorical question, have you ever found yourself in a mess? Because there are only two types of mess that you can get into. The first type of mess that you can get into, and this is the kind of the worst kind of mess that you can find yourself in, it's a mess that comes from an external source. It's a mess that you didn't directly create. It's a mess that comes because you happen to be in the right place or in the wrong place rather at the wrong time. So that oil situation at our our house affected the rest of my family. Ruth had to put up with a mess and put up with what had happened, not directly her fault. She didn't do what some women do and threw her toys out of the pitcher and say, for goodness sake, man, Phil, what have you done? Why did you try and fix that yourself? Why didn't you just phone Gareth the plumber? And have... She did not say that at all. She just said to me, well, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> and left me to it. But she was a victim of a mess that had happened in her life that she wasn't directly responsible for. And we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks of kind of things that happen to us when someone passes away. I've got a friend of mine, and we're going to pray for him at the end of the service today, that's had some tragic news this week in terms of a diagnosis on his, on his illness. The family have to cope with that. It's not his fault. It's something that's coming from the outside that is affecting him. And these kind of messes happen to us, just like it did to David and other people that we've talked about in weeks gone by as we've been looking at this series together. These are external things, and we're going to talk about those in the next couple of weeks. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is the other kind of mess that we can get ourselves into. And it's the mess that I started this message with, talking to you about the illustration that happened with the oil and the perlite. It's a mess that we create ourselves because we had a baldric plan. It's a mess that we find ourselves in because we thought, well, it's easy to just fix it. This because we're so clever, aren't we? We are so wise, we know exactly what to do. And we say, we don't need God, we don't need advice, we don't need to turn to a friend. We can just fix this ourselves. The thing that I want to share with you this morning is three stages that we see in this passage of Scripture. Three methods of the way that we need to suck it up. 
Have you heard that phrase before? Suck it up. Man United were playing Crystal Palace yesterday, weren't they, in the FA Cup final? And Man United won. Who was, who was, I'm an underdog fan, so I was there for Crystal Palace. But they had to go into extra time, didn't they? What do you have to do, guys, when you play football and you go into extra time? You have to suck it up, don't you? You have to suck up the pain of your muscles saying to you, don't run anymore. You've got to suck up the pain of, of what's happening because we're in a situation. I mean, they could have cleaned it up in 90 minutes, couldn't they, and get the job done? But they didn't. They had to suck it up. And there are three stages to facing up to our mess, facing up to the situation that we are in. So one, and this is critical. If you're writing and taking notes this morning, I want you to learn something, if you can, from God's word this morning. And this is critical. Things that happen on the outside that we didn't create, as Andrea talked to us so well last week, get that message and listen to it again and take notes if you didn't hear it. But in that message, she is talking about ownership and accountability. And we must, whether the situation is outside, it's something that happened to us, or it's something internal, something that we made happen and we created it, we have to take ownership of it. You can't just say, well, it was nothing to do with me if it affects you. Ruth was not in a luxurious position of being able to say, well, it doesn't affect our family. Of course it affects our family when the oil spilt. The thing is this. When we've messed up ourselves, it takes repentance. When somebody else messes up and it affects us, it just takes acceptance. And there's a totally different theology, thinking, philosophy behind acceptance to realize that something's happened, to repentance, where we have to realize that something happened, but take personal accountability to fix it. You see, the word repentance means to change direction. To change direction. Some of you remember the day that you came to faith in Christ Jesus and you accepted him and you decided to take him into your life. What was happening is you were living life your way. Can I ask for a volunteer this morning who can come out and help me this morning? Hands up. Before I pick someone, quick. Anybody want to come out and help me this morning? Come on then, you're going to come out and help me this morning. See, I told you. What's your name? Kelsey. Kelsey. Give Kelsey a big round of applause this morning. So Kelsey is going to show you what repentance is. Because what happens, Kelsey? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say anything or do anything. You can look over there, smile at everyone because you're gorgeous. Is she gorgeous? Yes, we are, see? So Kelsey was at one time walking, living life your way, weren't you? So you're going this direction, were you? Yeah, come on, walk with me. But something happened to Kelsey one day, is that Kelsey realized that God has a plan for her. She realized that God has planned a way for her to live that's not in the direction that she's currently going in. The plans that we have ourselves are Baldrick plans. They lead to destruction. The wages of sin is death, says the Bible. But the gift of God is eternal life through his Son. So what Kelsey and I did was we changed direction, didn't we? And we said, we're not going to walk our way no more. We're going to walk his way. 
And we changed direction and we began to walk this way instead. His paths are different to our paths, aren't they? My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. So do it again. Final illustration and she's going to do it catwalk style for you now. She's walking life, doing things her own way. And then she repents. Turns around and goes and does things God's way. Give her a round of applause. You see, it requires a change of direction. Now, whether you're going this way or whether you're going that way, acceptance is easy. Acceptance is easy. You can accept the stuff that comes with you, whether it's, you know, stuff for the election, whichever way it goes, the referendum, whichever way it goes. You're not directly responsible for that. But when the stuff that we do ourselves, our own plans, they don't require acceptance. They require repentance. And that's what Andrea, please, third time, listen to Andrea's message last week. What Andrea was talking about is this principle of repentance where we turn around. We change direction and we go this way. Now the thing is this. It's at this point that stuff happens to us where we realize it's gone bad. I was upstairs sleeping for most of the night while the oil in the boiler was going glug, 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 glug out. Didn't know anything was going on at all until I got up in the morning, opened the door. That's when the realization hit me. At that point is the point where we have to, number one, face up. We have to face up the prodigal son. You can read it here in uh, verse 17. Coming to his senses. I came down that morning, I opened the utility room door, I came to my senses quite quick. I realized what had happened. So what I could have done if I wanted to, and believe it or not, some people live like this. We could have just lived in the house with oil on the floor. We could have accepted it, not repented of it and turned around. We could have just left the mess where it was and lived in the mess. We could have done that, couldn't we? You could all come round my house and say, oh, is that, oh, what do I do? Blame it on oil. Oh, the oil spilt. It's somebody else's fault. It's not mine. Can you clean it up? Or I can't afford it or whatever. We can make all kinds of excuses. That's what Andrea's message was. We can make all kinds of excuses that we don't turn around, come to our senses, face up. Face up to what's happened. Now, the thing is this, and this is the bit that's the critical bit about it's okay not to be okay is when you're here, the realization of coming to your senses is incredibly painful and humbling. It appeals to all of your pride because you have to admit and face up to the facts that you messed up, that the plan didn't work. You've got to do it. Or what are we going to do? We're just going to stay doing life the way we've always done it. We've got to face up. But the second thing that we've got the opportunity to do when we're facing up, you see, and this is the life of the believer, we're here in the middle of everything that's happening, and we're facing up, and we can look at the problem, and we can look at the circumstances that are around us, and remember what we do, what kind of glasses we wear as believers. We look at the circumstances that we have through the eyes of God's purpose. And we understand that God, there's a plan. There's something going in that you're trying to teach me here. I've tried to do it my way, rebellious or whatever it is. What we can do is face up to it, 
Stage two, to suck it up, we got a number one, face up. Number two, we've got help. We can look up. And instead of looking at the problems, we can look up to the power that's ours in Christ Jesus. And we can say and encourage ourselves from verses like Psalm 121. I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from him, the creator of heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to slip. And he is my, the shadow at my right hand. He is my defender. And in the middle of this situation that I got myself into, I can come to Father. But I have got to repent. See, what some people try and do is they see what's going on and they look up, but they don't face up. So what happens? The mess just continues to get worse in their lives. And what's happening? Instead of moving from here, they move to here. And, they, and some people find themselves way, way up there. Because all the time they're looking to heaven and they're singing words like, you're there for me, Lord, you're by my side, you're on the shield of my right hand. They're saying all of this stuff. Back to the message we talked to before. They're trying to escape it and they're trying to chase it instead of facing up to the stuff that's theirs to take personal accountability for the, the position they find themselves in. We've got to change direction. So the question I want to ask you, are you facing up? Are you facing up when it comes to these problems? Because I'll tell you what, it's a humbling place. And this moment should be, for the believer, a very short period of time where we're saying it's okay not to be okay. When we realize that we've messed up, we need to cycle through that motion of the pity party that we're in and realize we've messed up and that our plan didn't work. We need a quick, fast repent and turn around. And this isn't just something that happens in a once-in-a-lifetime situation when we come to Jesus. We're having to repent all the time, aren't we? We're having to repent. Lord, forgive me for my attitude this morning when I was speaking to that person. Lord, forgive me for the way I spoke to Fionn this week. I, I got her interest at heart. She knows I love her, but I probably could have said it a little bit nicer. Sorry, Fionn. Um, you know, so, so we have to repent, don't we? All the time. We're repenting. Or is it just me that has to repent? Yeah. Okay, it's maybe just me that runs about 7,000 Baldrick plans in a given week. And I realize that none of them working. And I've got to turn and I've got to humble myself. And I can say, Lord, can you help me face up? Can you help me look up? And can you help me learn from this so I don't find myself there again? But I'll tell you what happens. And this is what happens when we face up and we look up. And he says to him when in, his, uh, in the text here, in verse 18, when he uh, looks up, he says to himself, does the uh, lost son in verse uh, 18, he says to him, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him. So he looks up, he's got a plan. Okay, this bit takes action. One thing to have a plan. So in verse 18, he's saying, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to get up and I am going to go to dad and I'm going to run this plan. Do you get that? Okay, so the thing is, the clean-up plan is we actually have to put it into action. So here I am with all the perlite problem happening back in the boiler room in, ut back in utility. Here we are again. I can think to myself in a situation, I'm in a mess. I can look up. I can think, Dad, yes, I'm going to phone my dad. He's wiser and cleverer than me when it comes to situations like this. He's going to help me out. That's what I'm thinking. It's not enough just to think it. It's not enough just to say it. You can declare all you want. 
in the name of Jesus, help me. And he will. But we've got to do something about it. We have got to put our will in line with his will and change direction and repent. We've got to do something about it. Zacchaeus, when he repented, when you read it, what did he have to do? Not just say, oh, I'm coming to dinner with me, Jesus says to him. He says, no, he repents. I will pay back sevenfold those that I have wronged. Repentance requires acts upon us to do things to correct the problem. So here we are again. We want to suck it up, get rid of the situation where we're in. We're going to face up. I look up, and in his power, what happens? I can get the mess cleaned up. Third, clean up. And the only way we can get it cleaned up, turn to me to verse 21. Action. Now, I don't know what it takes, guys. Like, I'm an action-orientated guy, and I don't get it. I hate committee meetings and board meetings where you sit in and people talk, talk, talk. Oh, let's do this. You know, no, that'll be a great idea. Yeah, ideas are great, but they never changed the world. They didn't. It's called the acts of the apostle, not the ideas of the apostles. They went and did stuff. And when we look at this, verse 21, this, where is it? Verse 21, was it? Yes. So he goes, the son said to him, a doing word. He thought it back here. He said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to get up, verse 18. I'm going to speak to my dad. But here it is, the son saying to him, confession. Saying to him, I need you. I can think back here, perlite problem. I didn't have the perlite fix, did I? I didn't have it. It has to come into my life. I phone my father. I have to suck up my pride and say, dad, I messed up. What does he do? Doesn't laugh at me down the phone, does he? I'm sure he wanted to. But he just comes to my aid. And that's the thing we think here at this point. And that's the bit I want to get to the nub of this morning as we finish. It's okay not to be okay. Is not to second guess or second judge what others or father is going to say about us. Because what happens at this point? We tell ourselves stories. Listen, church, this is really important. When we decide to face up, and when we look up, and then that final stage of actually taking action and clean up, we hold back on the bit that's going to give us the release. And I'm not trying to give you any psychobabble, kind of life-changing, positive talk here or anything. I'm not. I'm giving you the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God that can change our lives if we face up. And take responsibility for the situations that we're in. And instead of carrying it around a bit, not about positive mental attitude at all. Positive mental action. Action of saying, God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to fix the things that I need to fix. And it will have consequences in your life. It really will. I tell you what, one of the consequences of this I wanted dad to come in the room and clear it up for me. Do you know what dad said? He says, came in with this little pot, <laughs> opened it up, chucked a little bit of it on the floor and says, that's how it works, see ya. <laughs> and off he went. He said, you can't put it in a landfill or anything else like that because it's full of oil. Get yourself a bin liner, take it up the dump and get rid of your mess. And some of us expect God to come and do the stuff for us. God will give you the fix. 
God will give you the solution, but you have to take action. So can we close? And I'm going to hand back to Mike. But I'd ask that we just look at this song again. Can we put it up to close? This is my desire. And I'm going to ask Chris. Is Chris out in the auditorium. Can somebody look after Gwynny for a moment and somebody get Chris for me and get him in? Because something just touched my heart this morning um, wherever Chris is, if he can come and join us. You see, this here is the song of a suck-it-up person. This is my desire, O Lord, to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. But let's look at the second part of it. Doing words. Lord, I give. Are you willing to give? Or are you just going to be a song singer? Are you going to sing verse 1 and say, This is my desire, O Lord. I want to do all of this for you. I want, I, I want you to be this for me. I want to be that for you. Or are you just a song singer? Or are you going to give? You're going to give him your heart. You're going to give him your soul. You're going to live for him. Is Chris coming? Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, I'm going to turn around. See Chris when he comes out there. He's obviously looking after Gwynny this morning. I'll tell you what. I know we want to honour him, you know, with Gwynny. that has all of her needs. How he's such a great dad to Gwynny, isn't he? Isn't he? Come on, let's honour But see his... See his T-shirt when he walks. He says, I know stuff, it says on him. God can fix my problems or something like that. Have a look at his T-shirt when you uh, leave this morning. But what's your desire? What's your desire, church? You're going to come to your senses? Turn to Father. Come home and repent. And come to Jesus. It's okay to not be okay. We can come to him just as I am. But hand it over and leave it with him this morning. Thank you, Michael. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. close just for a moment just I'm not going to prolong the service in any way but you know God's been trying to communicate stuff with us over the last few weeks and I'm not going to make an appeal for anyone to come out the front this morning or anything like that but I just want us to 
sing this song again and where Philip's talked about repentance and he's talked about an action this morning. He could have prayed over the oil till the cows come home. But unless he picked the phone up and did something about it, God wouldn't have come in to solve the situation. And that's where we are this morning, church. We're going to sing this just once through again and maybe the chorus twice. I'm going to ask Andrea this morning to come and pray. But we're going to pause at the end after. And I just want you this morning just to stand in his presence this morning and understand it's okay not to be okay. But to do that action this morning between you and God. We're going to sing, I give, I worship. It's, it's a doing word as Pastor Phil has shared this morning. But as we sing this, just hand it over to God this morning you know maybe you had your opportunity two weeks ago maybe you had your opportunity last week maybe God's trying to communicate something to you this day today and I believe that this morning church let's sing this again I'm going to ask Andrea then to come and pray this is my desire to message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.